Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Big Boys and Body Slams. Uh, we're excited to have you here. This is a show where we're going to talk about some old wrestling pay-per-views uh, and some current ones, and if they deserve a ribbing, we're going to rib them. If they deserve credit, we're going to give them the credit they deserve. Uh, over here to my left, I have Kyle. Hi, guys. I'm a Hulkamaniac that loves long walks in Safeco Field. And we have Luke. And that's the bottom line. I promise my impressions will get better. They won't. <laughs> nope. Was that Stone Cold doing the rock? Because that's what it sounded like. <laughs> Good start. Um, so we, uh, yeah, like I said off the top, we're going to kind of be going through some old shows and just kind of uh, riffing through them, uh, telling you what we liked, what we didn't like, why we liked it, why we didn't like it. And we thought we'd start out with a show that uh, matters locally to us and a show that... Uh, it's important to me. Uh, I was there, and that is WrestleMania 19 from Safeco Field in Seattle. Oh, I mean... What was that? <laughs> uh, I'm just a little jealous is all. I still uh, kind of resent my dad for not taking me, but... As do I. I resent my dad for not taking me to see my favorite wrestler, Hulk Hogan, in my favorite arena, Safeco Field. I'll never forgive him. That's understandable. I think it's good to hold grudges like that, personally, so that's, that's, how, that's how we want it to be. Um, dad, if you're listening to this, I'm still pissed. So just kind of to give a rundown, when was the last time... <laughs> You guys saw the show in its entirety before tonight, obviously. Oh, in its entirety? Oh, gosh, man. It's probably been four or five years anyway. To be honest, I don't think I have ever watched a show from open match to closed match in its entirety. I've watched almost all of it, but not at the same time. I've picked apart some matches like The Rock and Brock and obviously Hogan and McMahon and then Austin and The Rock. So I've seen most of it, but never consecutively like we did tonight. Yeah, I think I, for me, probably the last time I saw it from open to close was when I was there. Um, again, kind of like you guys, I've watched you know chunks and, and matches of it throughout. So I was really excited to kind of revisit it, uh, and we'll get into it uh, more. Uh, but yeah, here we go. WrestleMania 19 from Safeco Field. I thought the video package I started with was just... I mean, WWE's strong suit has always been their video packages, right? But this one really was... Oh, oh yeah, no, and, and mid two thousands WWE video packages. I it, to me, this is their prime. This is how For they sure. set all the stages. They get all the rivalries in check. And what I love, they are not afraid to just harken back to the old days. I mean, if if I have to see uh, what Marriott or uh, what's his name, uh, if I have to see that can can one more time from WrestleMania one, I might lose it. But they show a lot of other sweet highlights too. So yeah, the prime you get chills watching these things, man. And also with this with this pay per view, you have a lot of guys from a lot of different eras. You have Hogan from the '80s. You have Austin the Rock from the '90s. Um, Vince McMahon, obviously Undertaker, obviously, and then from the Ruthless Aggression era, era you have Lesnar and Angle and other guys that end up making a big impact in the company as well, like Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, guys like that, that really, and Triple H too, Booker T, guys that made a big impact that were not from the 80s and 90s era as much. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting end of an era, yet the beginning of another era, like you were talking about, just with the, just with the kind of influx of talent, and, and it was definitely like, the Attitude Era was over, I think, by this point, and we were kind of seeing the beginning of the Ruthless Aggression Era, and... It's just a great way to start with the video package, kind of really encapsulated all that. And then we went to the opener, which uh, was Rey Mysterio versus Matt Hardy, who was deep into his uh, V1 gimmick at this point for the Cruiserweight oh, yeah. title. I, I got I to gotta say right now, has there ever been anybody as good with characters as Matt Hardy? Because Not organically. Not or, Yeah, not because everything he's done, right, it's always on his own. I think that... Uh, he, he knows who he is and who he wants to be as far as when he's creating a gimmick. And he 
nailed it. Not only line. that, but he's like he's like the first person to get over on the internet. Oh yeah, with the Matt Hardy will not die thing with the with Edge and Lita, and he, he the internet brought him back. Yeah, similar to James Ellsworth just recently. The internet did that for Matt Hardy. Well, and Zack Ryder's internet campaign, too. Exactly, yeah. Matt Hardy kind of started that whole internet, using the internet to his advantage. But if you look at the characters Matt has portrayed, not just as Team Extreme Hardy Boys, but with the version one, with the Matt Hardy Will Not Die, and most recently with the broken Matt Hardy, which in Impact Wrestling, that was just amazing. And I It mean, saved him, man. It, it's still good now, but in Impact, it was on another level. It, it saved Impact from the same fate as WCW and ECW and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. So he comes out. I, I will say his like V one entrance with like the buffering video with like the Windows XP media player like hasn't aged the best. It's corny, but kind of in a good way. Yeah, I think. but the map facts are amazing. Man. Yeah, and some oh, of the map sure. the map facts here were not as good as normal because they were like this is this is. Matt Hart, they don't know what to do without Matt Hardy at a WrestleMania, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. For, Matt Hardy's fourth WrestleMania, and uh, Matt fact, Matt often wonders how they did WrestleMania without him. They did some real funny ones that we should have looked up before tonight, but oh my god, they were they were great for a while. Um, yeah, uh, and then Rey Mysterio, obviously, this was very early in his WWE run. Um, Sick Daredevil costume, man. Dude, the Daredevil attire was just great. I loved it. I and. This being a cruiserweight match, I mean the action was pretty uh, hot and heavy. They opened, I mean there was they essentially opened the match with a corkscrew planche to the outside from Ray to Matt, which is just the way you want to start a WrestleMania. I mean that's a good way to get the crowd in things. I think right off the bat, crazy bump to start. Yeah, right? huge bumps to set the tone. And throughout that match, we saw a lot of interference from another guy that doesn't get a lot of love like he should, and that's Shannon Moore. Uh, he he was a great sidekick to version one Matt Hardy. Yeah, and he was very uh, much involved. I think with the essentially the duration of this match, he was he was all over the place uh, in this match, and and it really kind of added a new dynamic to it, and for better or worse. Um, but this was a very fast paced match. Um, a lot of more playing dirty, as we said. I also forgot that they uh, they called Shannon Moore's followers morons. <laughs> I I classic. I don't remember that, but I remember Matt Hardy's followers be call, be, being called MFers. Matt followers. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that, but... I don't, but that's great. Um, so, yeah, they, they moved really quickly. There's an Adelice reverses. There was one spot when, uh, in the corner, Ray kind of was going for... I don't know if it was going for a sunset flip or something, but then Matt countered it into a whisper in the wind, and I don't know. I thought it was really slick. Uh, and then a, a couple near falls. Any tease of a 619, and the crowd just went crazy. They wanted to see the 619 for the duration of this match, which was pretty short. This was a pretty short match. Um, so as we get to the end, uh, Matt hits a twist of fate for a near fall. That was kind of a theme of the show, as we'll get into later, though, is people hitting their finishers and then being too injured to get the pinfall right away. And so it leads to a near fall and one uh, not uh, near fall. Oh, we'll get to that, <laughs> we'll get pal. To You'll later. get the vent. Don't uh, worry. Um, I do want to say um, Ray did botch a West Coast pop real bad in this match. It was uh, it was kind of a brutal botch. But, I mean, they... Other than that, the match was very, very good. Oh, yeah. Some of those reversals were incredible. There was like a... Matt Hardy was going for like a razor's edge uh, from the top rope, and it got reversed into a hurricanrana. So it was dope, man. Rey Mysterio, just one of the best... Not only one of the best high flyers, obviously, but his counters out of the air, they just... They leave you in awe, man. It's crazy what he can do with his body in the air. Well, yeah, and he just has such great control uh, over, over his body, and it just... It shows, so... 
that that Rana reversal was kind of towards the end of the match, and then Matt gets a roll up, grabs the rope for a dirty pin, and gets the win, retains his title. I thought this was a pretty solid opener. It was pretty short, maybe six or seven minutes. Um, a lot of Shannon Moore getting involved, and in the end, Matt uses his dirty heel tactics to get the win. I gave it uh, three stars out of five. I, I also gave it three stars. Uh, it would have been more stars if it was longer, and without that West Coast pop botch, which I couldn't get out of my head. Yeah, I, I hate to be, you know, lame here, but three stars as well. Um, it's kind of like, it kind yeah, right. It reminds me of, you know, when when the cruiserweights were in WCW, uh, Eric Bischoff kind of referred to it as, just go out there and make a car crash. Like, it, it was just a ton of hard-hitting, heavy moves, lots of high-flying, and then you got the classic heel tactics from Matt and Shannon, and it really, I mean, that that really was where Matt's gimmick was at at the time. So, yeah, just classic heel. I agree. Um, I didn't overstate its welcome. If anything, I think it understated its welcome I agree. a little bit. I agree. Oh, yeah. But I think that just uh, shows that at the time, WWE knew how to kick off a show, because Opening opening with a hot cruiserweight match like that, I mean, that wrestling style just wants to get people fired up and into the show, oh, and I yeah. thought it was a great way to start. And um, from that, we go straight to a limo pulling up backstage, and who gets out of it but the Miller uh, the Miller Lite Catfight Girls. Oh, bosom shots. <laughs> and bosom shots <laughs> abound, my friends. We'll get into that later. Uh, they argue over Vince and Hogan. Hulk Hogan? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a thing you're going to hear throughout they, the show. They couldn't say Hulk Hogan. They were calling him Hogan. It, it Hulk was cringeworthy Hogan. at best. It was awful. It was awful and very cringy. Uh, we'll see f- some more from them later. I'm going to cut Zach off here. The next the next match <laughs> is uh, The Undertaker versus A-Train and Big Show in a handicap match. But the highlight of this match is the WWE's favorite band, Limp Biscuit, playing Rollin' as Undertaker walk rides his motorcycle out to the ring and that's why I had to cut off Zach because I had to let everybody know that Fred Durst is a legend and Fred if you ever listen to this hit me up on Twitter one thing we did forget to mention though earlier on uh, you see Big Show and A-Train walking out of the locker room with Nathan Jones a crumpled heap in the showers and uh, I mean I understand this is Wrestlemania but God, how imagine being so terrible that you just get scratched from a match and make it a handicap. Uh-huh. Like just just one of the weirdest scenarios and he just gets clocked and no, we, we just don't need you fouling up this match anymore. Yeah. Fred I mean, Durst should have been the partner. <laughs> I was waiting for a Fred Durst. That would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just like uh SmackDown just bring it the video game for PlayStation two, you could play as Fred Durst. Oh boy. Well, I think they should have made this reality and had I Undertaker agree. and Fred Durst. He could I mean he had to have been a better wrestler than Nathan Jones. <laughs> By default. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> worth pointing out. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, Nathan Jones was laid out uh, kayfabe backstage. And the real reason for this was because they did not think he was a good enough wrestler to partake in the match. Uh, and when you're wrestling in the second match on a card against the big show and a the A train. A bunch of slow giants. That's really saying something. Um, so yeah, so as, as uh, Kyle said, uh, Limp Biscuit plays Undertaker out to the ring, which is a sentence I never thought I would say. But the Limp Biscuit, the Limp Biscuit, played Undertaker to the WWE's ring. WWE's favorite band in the world. Yes, which Howard Finkel had to say twice in this show. Uh, we all thought it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Um, so in this match was the, turned out to be a handicap match. The Undertaker versus the Big Show, who, by the way, is at his peak drunk uncle at this point. I mean, he just looks a mess. The poor guy. He's got this awful like handlebar mustache. He's balding. I mean, the poor the poor fella's probably pushing 450, 550 oh, at this point. Boy. I mean, he's just a he's a big old slow moving man. And then his partner, the A Train. Um, 
slow slow puts this match i mean that's the perfect word for this match this match is slow first of all i hate handicap matches mm-hmm. i think they're stupid um i mean there's sometimes there's a way for them if you're trying to make somebody like squash a couple jobbers you know but you have two guys in the A-Train and Big Show that are supposed to be threats on SmackDown. Giants. Legitimate yeah, threats. Legitimate too. giants. And later on in this year, they'll be in Survivor Series in a tag team with Brock Lesnar on Team Lesnar, along with uh, Zach and Luke's favorite wrestler, Nathan Jones. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they essentially jobbed The Undertaker here, which doesn't even really make The Undertaker look that great because Nathan Jones has to come down, hit two spinning Chuck Norris-like hey, kicks. Hey, those were sick. Those were pretty those some pretty To help kicks. him win that match. I mean... It was yeah, it was this, this poorly match executed. Really wasn't anything to write home about. Um, it was just a big hoss fight. Uh, this had the longest abdominal stretch sequence I yeah. think I have ever seen. It was probably like two minutes long. It felt like it was twenty minutes long. Um, essentially, what happened was the Big Show had the Undertaker in a stretch, tagged in the A Train, who thought it was a good idea to apply a stretch. The Undertaker reversed that stretch into an abdominal stretch. Uh, that was a that was a brutal that was a brutal rest hold spot there. Um, Taker also just goes on like an arm breaking spree there for a second. <laughs> yeah, he's putting everybody in arm bars. <laughs> Except for Fred Durst. <laughs> Except for Fred Durst. If the ref would have gotten in the way, he would have been in an arm bar. <laughs> um, the match goes on. There's some pretty hard hitting action there. I noticed there was a pretty bad botch DDT. I don't remember who hit it. I think the A train was hitting it on the Undertaker. Um, and then it seems like it's over for Taker. He's getting beat up by the two big men. And then, as Kyle said, here comes Nathan Jones in his Adidas sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> He's jacked, though. That's yeah. the one thing we'll give him. He's, he is just jacked here. Spin kicks uh, Big Show out of the ring, gets in the ring, gives another spin kick to the A-Train, which allows Undertaker, hit, Undertaker to hit the tombstone for the one, two, three. Uh, I got to be honest. Um, not one of my favorite Undertaker WrestleMania matches. Uh, yeah. I give it a 1.5. There really wasn't much for me. Uh, very old-fashioned match. Very slow. Um, really not a reason it should be on the card. I don't necessarily remember the story behind it, but this just felt like it was there because it was there. And because Undertaker needed, needed a match. Needed a match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think the Undertaker should have been working with somebody else on the card. Or just anybody, big, or the big show in just a one-on-one match. Sure. Um, even a guy like John Cena, who was up and coming, could have been his partner in this match to give John Cena that rub, which he'd eventually get. But I'm gonna give this the match two stars, but only because Lent Biscuit played Roland so as Undertaker came to the ring. That bumped it up a half star for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, almost one and a half stars to be honest. This match did nothing for me. It's in the same category as Giant Gonzalez and Undertaker for Undertaker oh, WrestleMania matches. Jeez, it was brutal. Crowd. It wasn't good. I mean, I think you might need to go back and watch that Giant Gonzalez, which this is like the what the 10-year anniversary at this point of that match. Yeah, because that was his first WrestleMania match, wasn't it? Uh, I think Jake, either Snooker or Roberts was. Oh, so okay. seven is okay. when he, it was first match, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Gosh, Bundy, Bundy's in there here. somewhere, too. Oh, yeah. The legend. Oh, yeah. The legend. But uh, I, I gave this one two stars. I had a few comments on it. Um, one, like you were saying, Kyle, I hate handicap matches, but even more, I hate handicap tag matches. Like that kind of just defeats the purpose of having those those two guys to me. Granted, there was a little bit of interference, the ref let go why, but I just can't really stand that. Also, uh, how, in all these WrestleMania Taker matches, how many times have we seen an old school spot? I understand that that's like going through the motions, and Taker's tied for my favorite wrestler with Stone Cold, but that and how many freaking times do we have to hear Michael Cole say Vintage Undertaker? Like he has these these certain taglines for each individual superstar. It's ridiculous. I feel like he's been saying Vintage Taker since the day he got on the commentary booth. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I will say, uh, Nathan Jones, beautiful spinning heel kick. And you can just tell. Like, at some point, they're like, all right, man, what can you do well? 
And he's like, uh, well, I can kick. Perfect. There's go your out, 15 seconds. Go out and kick. There's your WrestleMania <laughs> moment, buddy. Um, so yeah, 1.5 for that. And then after that, we were blessed with another uh, Cat Fight Girl segment. <laughs> this time they're talking about, I don't know. I Same stuff. Playboy with Tori Wilson and Stacey Keebler. Why this had to be seen, I don't know. But honestly, some shots. if I was giving this a, a star rating, I'd probably give this a two just so I could rank it above that Undertaker match. Wow. <laughs> I will say uh, we, got a, we got a sweet JR uh, line out of that one. We're... <laughs> Commenting on the bosom shots, by the way. There's more pups than a dog pound. <laughs> Classic. Vintage JR. Vintage JR. Um, after that, we get Trish Stratus versus Jazz versus Victoria, who is the women's champion for the women's championship. Don't forget Stevie Richards. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Stevie Richards, Stevie Richards is uh, in Victoria's corner. Yes, in Victoria's and corner. Before Zach gets going on this, I want to say all three of these women should be at the Evolution pay-per-view coming up. And I also want to point out how underrated both Victoria and Stevie Richards were in the WWE. And I love them both. And Jazz, too. But um, I thought Stevie had a lot of charisma, was a great wrestler. Dude, he looked great here. He, he looked great. And then Victoria was fantastic in WWE and then went to TNA Impact and was great there, too. So I hope to see them at the Evolution pay-per-view coming up because all three of these women deserve it, along with Gail Kim, who is kind of an unsung hero, mm-hmm. who said she wouldn't appear from what I read, but I, I hope she does. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you up and down. This match was uh, probably the biggest surprise of the night for me. It wasn't a show stealer by any stretch, but given where women's wrestling was yep. at the time of this show in this era of, of WWE, this was a competent, fast-paced, and fun uh, triple threat match for the championship. Um, it started out, Jazz got the heat real quick for like a second, and then... Um, Victoria hit this really cool springboard. I guess it was more of a sunset leg drop uh, from the apron for a near fall, which was really cool. Um, and then Trish uh, got the heat. The The heels just kind of railed on her for a, a good majority of this match. Um, and the action, it was pretty fast. It was going back and forth. Um, Jazz and Victoria kind of had like this pseudo partnership going on um, where they were kind of working to take out Trish. Obviously, who's the big threat? Uh, you know, she's the one with the name and, and all the clout and all the and all the accolades. Um, so they're taking her out. And then uh, Stevie Richards decides to get involved and swiftly gets a Stratisfaction by Trish Stratus, which popped the crowd huge. And then she's able to get a chick kick on Victoria for the win. Uh, pretty good match. I got a. I want to throw a couple things in there. There's a yeah. great spot where. Uh, Richards tries to hit Trish with a chair, I believe, and <laughs> and the and the chair bounces back and hits him in the head. Great comedy spot. I've always loved that kind of thing. And I also want to say Victoria had a super kick variation in this match, and it puts a lot of super kicks to shame. It was awesome. It's a hard hitting super kick, and I loved it. It was it was great. And if I had to rate this match, I'm gonna give it a three and a half stars. It was women's wrestling has came a long way. But these three were great. These four, too. Stevie Richards played a great role in this match. But these three women did very well. I liked it a lot. Well, yeah, and, and I got three and a half stars uh, as well. I mean, kind of what all you guys are saying. But, I mean, we just we literally just had the Catfight Girls promo before this. And you could not have uh, much more of a comp- contrast. And, you know, in 2003, between all the, like, the cheap sexual innuendos and, and pops like that, 
um, which I, I feel guilty watching now. <laughs> and don't uh, don't don't even forget about Triple H raping a corpse. I mean, that was another uh, yeah. sketchy women thing that should never have been done. Yeah, no, th- th- there's a ton of just cringeworthy stuff. Uh, but this is a great example of where actual women's wrestling was at in 2003. Uh, also, want to pose the question: Is Victoria most underrated diva ever? Or her Gail Kim? Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, they're right up yeah, there. I, I agree. I think that they all, all three women really had a great showing and kind of was maybe like the a pinch of a hint of what was maybe to come in the future of women's wrestling and yeah it was a surprise i didn't remember this match at all i don't know if this was a bathroom break match for me or or what at the time but i was uh, was pleasantly surprised by this match um, i'm i'm not sure if they ever wrestled an impact but as we go through shows to look at i hope we get to see gail kim victoria or tara gail kim um, to see what they can do because I think I think they oh, were yeah. probably never given enough time in WWE and if they had a match in Impact I'm sure they were given a solid amount of time yeah, for sure so after that um, we had just a classic I don't have much to say about it but a classic backstage rock interview uh, Coachman was interviewing The Rock and he just leaks charisma out of every pore of his body <laughs> um, so basically the- talking about how he's going to beat Stone Cold again and uh, yeah, he's the man. One of the most charismatic superstars of all time. We were talking about it earlier, who can touch him, and I think the only guys we could really come up with uh, touching the rock on the mic were Ric Flair and Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Yeah, yeah, I, and that's questionable. Yeah, I that, mean, the, rocks, the rocks, to me, it's not arguable. He's a top. I agree. I think he's just... But these, like the, these promos with Coach, I mean, most of the time when you saw this, especially when he was face, uh, and he was just tearing everyone in his sights down. I mean, he could diss anyone and get the crowd popping. So these were always gold. But we're now we're seeing Hollywood heel rock. Um, he had a line, you know, where he where he did the usual rock stuff and had a rhyme where he ended with "gonna beat that bald-headed bastard, guaranteed." So we got like that that classic rock, but. He goes on because at this point you got to remember Austin beat him at WrestleMania 15. Austin beat him at 17. So Austin's 2 and 0. So he almost has this moment after he has this charismatic, you know, j- just this bunch of trash talking what he's going to do. He brings it home with how bad he wants this victory where he goes finally as if he's about to to hit that promo when he was a face, but then just stops for a second and kind of looks uh, determined and just says finally. And that kind of foreshadows yeah, that things really to come. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I thought uh, yeah, the end of that that promo really he kind of sealed the, sealed the deal really well, and and as he as he walked away, it was like man, like you listen whenever the, the Rock would speak, and that was no exception, for sure. And then after that, um, we had quite the three way uh, tag match. We had uh, Eddie and Chavo Guerrero versus Chris Benoit and Rhino for some reason versus Team Angle uh, for the tag team championships. Who of course at the time the championships are held by Team Angle. Um, this was a match. Um, I think the Chris Benoit Rhino pairing really caught me off guard at first, um, but uh, it worked. I mean, Chris Benoit was in. I feel like he was in this match for a very long period of time there in the middle, and he was just chopping and slapping and, and suplexing and submitting everybody he saw. He was on fire in this match. Um, Dude, his chops, I, I mean, you forget until you hear him again. Dude, they sound like gunshots. Yeah, he gave Eddie Guerrero like two chops and his was already wel- his chest was already welting. I mean, man, Oof. Benoit was just in the ring, was just, was just untouchable there for a while. And, I mean, every person in this match was supremely talented, I thought, and, and it played out very well. So I think everyone in this match is super talented. One guy I've always been a huge fan of, still am today, is Rhino. And I kind of felt he was a little out of place here. You have you have five very sound technical wrestlers, and then you have the man-beast Rhino. 
I wish I had a Paul Heyman voice that could do that because, <laughs> you know, gore. But he he hit some crazy gores in this match, and I gotta say that gore has to be up as one of the best spear variations ever. I think oh, it's him yeah. and Goldberg, man. Yeah, it, it's Goldberg. Be, between him and Goldberg, for sure. Um, not Edge or Big Show or Roman Reigns. It's Rhino or Goldberg. Yeah, for sure. And this was this is I thought this was a pretty fun match. Um, there was one point where. Uh, Benoit, I forget who he lifted up. I think it was Eddie into a super? flapjack, oh, and yeah, then he yeah. put him into a crippler crossface. After that, it was just some really unique offense. And then again, the superplex that he gave to Eddie too. Dude, he, it was like three quarters across yeah, the ring. He flew on that superplex. I mean, Eddie and Chris just beat the hell out of each other for a lot of this match, and I am not complaining about that. Um, I think they were definitely the two standouts, and for good reason. I mean, they're by far the two most talented men in the match. Team Angle. Definitely worked the best as a team, I noticed. They had a lot of good teamwork, tagging in and out frequently, doing tag moves. Um, just a lot of quick movement from them. But I think if you're looking strictly in-ring talent, I think that Benoit and Guerrero kind of stole the show here. Oh, absolutely. Well, And, and kind of something I noted, uh, of these three just outstanding teams, the, the champs, the, the tag team champs, Haas and Benjamin, were probably the least over of this entire group. So when the champs are the least over in the match, I mean, that says a ton. And uh, one, one thing real quick, I mean, they, they say Jeff Hardy is, is just a walking spot fest. I, Shelton Benjamin gives him a run for his money, man. Yeah, Benjamin's great. Um, and again, what you said about them being the least over, I agree with you, but it's nothing against Team no, Angle. No, no, not at it's, all. It's more about just how well-received everyone else in the match was. Even Rhino. Rhino's always been over, though. I mean, and, and he was here. And then the finish of this match was just maybe my favorite finish of the night. Maybe. Um just because it kind of came, not out of nowhere, but it, it was really fast. So what happened was Eddie um, hit, a, hit a frog splash to break up a pin attempt between um, Shelton Benjamin and Chris Benoit. And then out of nowhere, Rhino comes and just gores uh, Eddie out of nowhere. Chavo pulls, uh, Chavo pulls Rhino out of the ring so he can't get the pin. And then Benjamin comes in and is the opportunist, gets the pin, they retain the titles. Um, really fast-paced stuff. I give this match a 3.75. Thought thought it was really nice and fast-paced and just what you wanted after kind of the disappointing uh, uh, Haas match. So two good matches to follow that up with the women's match and then this one. So 3.75 for me. Um, I, w- I give it a 4. I thought it was very fast-paced, very fun. But I do need to say, I know he did some terrible things, but people don't remember how great Chris Benoit mm-hmm. was in the ring. He, to me, he's the equivalent of an O.J. Simpson who deserves a Hall of Fame opportunity, but will never. But he won't ever get one. But he does deserve for his in-ring um, performance. Yeah. Performance, yeah. You, you, it's hard to separate the person from the character in this case because Chris Benoit is a very terrible person, and like I do not condone anything he did. But as a wrestler, he deserves the credit he deserves. Well, it it is just a tragic story itself. But, you know, when we're talking about Chris Benoit here, we're talking about Chris Benoit, the wrestler, the performer, just like uh, all other entertainers that are are guilty of of terrible things. But, uh, you know, if there's one thing we preface this uh, podcast with, this is kind of a, a changing of the guard. You know, this is this is the passing of the torch, and I don't think that there's any other match on this card that more represents the future of the company at the time and the passing of the torch than that three-way tag team yeah. match. Well, if you look at it, both Benoit and Guerrero would go on to win world championships the very the next, next year, year at WrestleMania, yeah. um, which just shows you just their trajectories were 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 definitely going in the upward direction. And in that time, you're also going to see 
Shelton Benjamin slowly transform into an intercon- intercontinental champion the in himself. The gold standard, baby. The gold the standard. Chavo yeah. Guerrero Jr. wins uh, some cruiserweight titles. And Rhino ends up going to TNA, wins the TNA championship at Bound for Glory. I don't remember the year, which is a show I would like to cover eventually. And then ends up coming back to WWE and winning the tag team titles with Heath Slater. So some of these guys still have a lot left in the tank after this. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously we can speculate all day if, if Eddie and Chris were both still still here where they would have gone and where their careers would have went. But unfortunately, um, both of them were taken away far too early. Chris, uh, by his own doing. Uh, Eddie largely too. But um, it just really makes you think where they could have been. If you see where, like you said, people like Rhino and Shelton had a nice run after that. Um, I still think Shelton was also misused. I think he could definitely. have. Definitely. I think him he and Haas. could have been a world champion. Him and Haas oh, yeah. both. I think Haas had a, a lot too. And we talked about this earlier. How would Charlie Haas have fared if his brother Russ would have stayed alive too, because and from all accounts I've heard in OVW that was a team to reckon with, as was Shelton Benjamin and Brock Lesnar. But I mean, I think that worked out for Brock on its own. I think the issue with Charlie Haas, um, he was very talented in the ring, but I think the issue with him is that he was kind of a charisma vacuum. Oh, definitely. And in WWE. Uh, yeah. It's very rare to see somebody with no charisma kind of reach the top. I think that was the thing that was holding him back. But overall, what do you guys uh, what do you guys give this match uh, for your ratings? I gave it a four for sure. I gave it a four as well. I gave it a three point seven five. So I'm just a little bit, a uh, little bit trickier, Snob, trickier, trickier, huh? trickier than you guys. Yeah. Here we go, Meltzer over here. Jeez. <laughs> so after that great match, we got guess what? Catfight girls. Another catfight girl segment. I don't even know what they're saying this time. But, but it just, Holgan is one of the, the things. Hulgan, they started Holgan and up this time. I spaced out for most of this just to stare at Tori Wilson. Coincidentally, this was uh, this was my third pee break. I, I just feel the like the third catfight segment, my third pee break. I think I ordered it, pizza here. Yeah, this is when it like stopped the show dead in its tracks because it was after a very good match, and then we had to stop and see these these Holganers just Holganing it up, and it just. <laughs> Holgamania. Holgamania is running wild. Um, so after that, oh, 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 forgot first Hatchet Man sighting. Uh, one hour in, we saw a Hatchet Man sign in the crowd. Uh, whoop, whoop, where's my fam at? Uh-huh. Limp Biscuit and ICP, man. P- please what don't a put. Time. It please. was 2003, all right. Guys, don't put Fred in that category. Fred's the man. They're kind of in the same category. They're mean. not in the same category. I'm about to break some stuff right now with your attitude. <laughs> nice. It's my way or the highway. You guys are at my house. That's a good point. No, we're in the studio. We're going to have to be rolling on out here soon. Um, All right, that was bad. No, that, no any Limp Biscuit reference is great reference. Uh, after that, a uh, really, really good cat fight segment. Um, <laughs> we got another good match. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho. Uh, the dream match. Uh, this whole match was built upon, upon the premise that uh, Chris Jericho wanted to take out his childhood idol and just hated him with everything that it was worth. That's what this whole feud was built upon. I remember this feud very well still. Um, Incredible feud. A very good feud. And of course, the video package to open it was really good. Um, Sean got a really long entrance. The crowd eats Sean's entrances up. Uh, I think my favorite part, as you had mentioned, uh, was the confetti dud that he had. Uh, he just rolled with it, though, and came out to the ring. A lot of pyro, a lot of fireworks. Um, just what you want out of a Shawn Michaels entrance. And. Man, this match kind of had two phases, I noticed. The first phase was like very technical wrestling, a lot of submissions, a lot of chain wrestling. And then there was one moment that happened where uh, Jericho slapped Shawn Michaels in the face. And then after that, it was like the button was switched and these two just started, just started yeah, beating right. the heck out of each other. Um, <clears throat> I, I really enjoyed the action here. I will say the middle kind of lagged a little bit. Um, the things I noticed really good were um, Shawn Michaels selling just throughout the whole match was just great. Whenever he gets thrown into a turnbuckle, I feel like 
his back is broken. Like his selling it throughout this whole match was really great. And then obviously uh, Jericho with his heel work, stealing Michael's gimmick. Uh, he tuned up the band. He tuned up the yeah. band. Uh, he, he did, did the, the, yeah, the, the, pose. the flex pose. Yep. Th- that's something I think has always been underrated is the Jericho flex pose pin when he goes and puts his foot on the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Flexes. He, Jericho is incredible with the heel heat here. Uh, from stealing Shawn Michaels' moves to mocking Shawn Michaels to, to the pin like that. Jericho and Shawn Michaels both are excellent in every fashion they've ever done. But I think tonight Jericho is just showing that heel personality that just separates him from a lot of wrestlers. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then even to some of the spots in the match where uh, Michaels is going for the elbow drop. Uh, Jericho pushed the ref into the rope, which crotched Michaels onto the top turnbuckle. I mean, Very underrated spot. Little things like that where they were just really building uh, Jericho up as just this monster heel, this this really vindictive, evil guy. Who well, just, and his body language, man. Yeah. His body language was incredible. Like, the scowls he was pointing Jericho's way. Just, just how they were able... I mean, I called this one the quintessential grudge match. I'm, I mean, I'm not a wrestler, but I feel like if you are trying to get into the business and you want to know what a payoff match looks like, what a grudge match looks like, this is it. I mean, they're using each other's poses because it wasn't just Jericho. Sean was using some uh, some Jericho poses and moves as well. There was some walls of Jericho there, yep. tuning up the band, all that good stuff. It's just it covered all of the areas that you really want in a, in just a true wrestling grudge match. And I think this grudge match was so good that even like five or six years later, they had this rivalry again. Yeah, they Just as intense it. where Jericho accidentally punched Sean's wife. Then that it culminated in that ladder match in Portland. I was actually there where Jericho lost his tooth and retained the belt. And I think that feud is one of those feuds where you're like, holy shit, this is amazing. And both performers are incredible performers. Both performers have... um, They can be called the GOAT, I mean, I think, of wrestling. Both of them have enough accolades and credentials. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I don't think either one are, but they have the chance. Yeah, I agree. Um, And then there was a good false finish here towards the end um, when Sean hit the sweet chin music out of nowhere after Chris had hit it earlier in the match. Um, But again, they did the spot where they're both too injured to, to... go for the pin, which at this point was kind of losing its luster uh, just a little bit, sure. and we'll see it even more throughout the show. But that sweet chin music, um, man, sounded just as loud oh, as the Ben Watch Yeah, he, <laughs> he got that good and couldn't get to the pin in time, um, but it did not matter because he was able to hit a roll-up shortly after for the win. Um, solid, solid match. The middle went a little bit slow, but it was all about the character turn. Um, and then after the match, we had it where it looked like there was going to be a face turn. Chris Jericho uh, shook hands and hugged HBK and then just gave him the old dick kick and <laughs> left the ring. Uh, great match. I give it a four. I, I, I'm going to give it a 4.25. Mm. Um, the only reason it's not higher to me is the slow spots in the middle. I do have to ask a question now. Yeah. Does tuning up the band ever work for Shawn Michaels because in this match you see him tune up the band and then miss the super kick which I feel like happens every time gosh uh, it works for Jericho yeah right <laughs> it, it's probably I'd, I'd, yeah it's probably like a 15% success rate just, just like Ric Flair going to the top rope it just yeah. never seems oh, to happen you know, that's, dude that's work. zero that is straight zero I, I saw it once <laughs> so also I want to pose a question to you guys is the slingshot uh, where they're facing uh, one guy's on the ground, facing the turnbuckle, and they just pull their legs and launch backwards. Is the slingshot the most unbelievable move in wrestling? It might be the silliest. I can believe it if there's like a weapon or something on the other end, but when they're just 
slowly resting their face in the turnbuckle. I mean, yeah, it's not. You got to really suspend that disbelief to buy that uh, to buy that move. It's not a, the best move at all, but please don't call it the silliest. The worm is still out there. <sighs> but Scotty Tuhati was the man. Uh, Scotty Tuhati is great, but I have so much salt for the worm. It's the stupidest move in the world. So you didn't you didn't pop for it, huh? You're what I was like twelve and didn't know what was happening. You're salty. I guess. It's just not a good move. It's dumb. No, I thought it was too cool, but all right. Oh. Um, also, I will I will say. Uh, speaking of silly, Sean, that mid-length soccer mom hair, that little ponytail in the back, that's atrocious. He rocked that hairstyle for a bro, long bro. That is. Time. Atro- I forgot how bad that was. Soccer mom. Oh boy. My fiance calls AJ Styles a soccer mom because of her, his. Oh, hair his. Too. At least he has a nice flow. I mean, Sean's here is just. They both should be driving minivans. That that is that is a born again Christian haircut, man. He, he that really is the simplest. <laughs> I will say, Sorry. I I do love short hair, Sean. Uh, he recently got his haircut, and I think he looks great now. Uh, but yeah, great, good match. Um, just nothing to nothing to dislike. Um, after that, we got something I can dislike. Uh, so first, well, this is good. Uh, Howard Finkel. Um, went over the PA and announced that they had set a Safeco Field attendance record with 54,097 people. I don't know if that's been broken since. I, I want to say it got broken Griffey Weekend. Griffey Weekend, sure. okay. Uh, that's where I would guess it would have if it, if it has. And then uh, I'll let Kyle take it away for what happened next. Oh, my God. We got him again. Limp Biscuit playing Crack Addict, which is the official theme song of WrestleMania 19. Why Crack Addict is the theme song, I don't know. Because that's the lead I... single from their, that album. Oh. To be honest, that's never actually been on an album because I tried to find it on Apple Music the other day, <laughs> and it wasn't on there. It wasn't on any album, so I don't know where that song came. Sh- I'm pretty sure it was on their uh, the Green album. Results may vary. Yeah, it's not. It not? No, it's not. Oh, but I will say again. Don't I, you question this guy? Is limping? Scott, I'm yeah, sorry. Fred, you need to come to Seattle so I can listen to you, pal. Come play the next WrestleMania. In they Seattle. also had to remind you once again. This is WWE's favorite band. I wonder if they'd agree with that now. And behind my boys in Newfound Glory, Limp Biscuit might be my favorite band. <laughs> That's quite the one-two punch. Huge mark. Huge mark. I, I go from some pop punk to some, like, rap metal. Some new metal? Yeah, new metal is what it's called. There yeah. you go. And then after that uh, rousing performance by Limp Biscuit, we got... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a good performance. Solid. Nothing wrong with a little new metal. Crack uh, addict. We got maybe the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh... It made me girls. want to be a crack addict. The Catfight <laughs> Girls pillow fight. Um, hey, Coach was in a Mariners uni, Co- though. Coach came out in a Mariners uniform for some reason and had, bless his heart, well, because had it was to in, do commentary. It was in Safeco. And and I know the 19 on the back referenced WrestleMania 19, but that was Jay Buhner's number. We I love you, Jay. The bone, baby. The bone, baby. So Coach had to just give commentary for this thing. I mean, there's nothing to even talk about. Stacy Kubler spanked Tori Wilson's ass a bunch of times. The Catfight Girls had a pillow, the weakest pillow fight I've ever seen. Coachman got pants and then Which, he got pinned. The Coachman getting pants was an instant boner killer here. This was just... <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> This was just so cringy and awful, and there's nothing redeeming about it. So let's move on. Real quick, I actually do love the irony of uh, the catfight girls. The two girls actually catfighting were Stacy and Tori That's off true. of the bed, and they rolled over Coach while catfighting like it was like the old Looney Tunes <laughs> get into a fight cartoon. Yeah, the Coach was easily the best part of this, except for when his pants came off. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? In all seriousness, WWE pulling something like this on a re- not even like 
a regular like Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live. Can you imagine them at WrestleMania 35 <laughs> doing something like this today? Hell no! <laughs> it's bad. It's it's not good except for Tori Wilson, but that's it. Yeah, uh, agreed. And after that, we got, hey, maybe the second most terrible thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the World Heavyweight Championship is on the line as here Triple is, H pal. faces Booker T. Let's preface what Zach just said here because he hates Triple H in this era. I hate I hate the Reign of Terror. I hate this feud. I hate this match. I hate this finish. I hate everything about this. This might be... This is probably my top two or three least favorite WWE matches of all time. Wow. I hate this match. Do you like Brock versus Goldberg from WrestleMania 20 more or less? I like that. Ooh. That's bad, too. That's really bad. That's a, that's a tough one. I or don't does think o- about that. Does Austin make... Austin, Austin raises that a little bit. Um, and just, just the fact that... I mean, just seeing Brock Lesnar flip off the crowd. I mean, I'll watch that probably before I'll watch this again. Um, so the backstory on this match... Uh, a borderline racist angle between it, Booker borderline, T. Borderline, huh? It, an overtly racist angle. It's awful. They they reference Booker T. They, at one point on a Raw, they uh, Triple H tries to give Booker T like a dollar, I think, and says, get my bags, kid, or something like that. And it's just brutally racist stuff that should not be... Yeah, uh, Triple H essentially just talks about how all Booker T exists is for him to live in the prison system and how he's beneath Triple H. Yeah, and, and entertain. and Yeah, just just, just go back and watch that lead up, man. It's, it's garbage. It's, watch the video package because they put it all out there for yeah, you if you yeah. want to see what it's like, and it's, it's not pleasant. Triple H had some really bad angles at this time. I uh, referenced it earlier, the Katie Vick thing. Awful. This Booker T stuff. Yeah, for sure. Awful. It's... Leading up to the whole evolution thing, he was in some pretty poor storylines. Um, yeah, and this was just the leading. I mean, the Katie Vick angle was probably more embarrassing to be a wrestling fan in general. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's bad. In but fact, this, just, just stop bringing it up, please. I'm just trying to forget it, it even existed. It's around this time, pal. Damn it's it. true. And then, but I mean, outside of that, this this did nothing for me. Um, there were some nice hard. It was a hard hitting match, so I guess it has that going for it. But it, it really moved slow. Um, Triple H did hit a really really nice spine buster to Booker T. About He's got a top five match. spine buster. Great spine buster. Um, Ric Flair got involved at one point and gave him a knee buster on the steel steps uh, to Booker T outside. And Rick looks great during this match. Always good to see Rick getting involved. He can still lift a man at this point in his life, so that's good. And he looks good. I mean, mm-hmm. oh yeah. I mean, in recent years, Rick has had some health scares that have made him look, aged him pretty bad, but he looks great here. Yeah, and. Um, a really, really long Indian deathlock spot that the crowd just was not into. They did not buy into it. Booker didn't sell it well. Uh, the Triple H didn't didn't perform the move well. It seemed like it lasted forever. Um, Booker started selling his knee after that. Um, he did get a roll up near fall that the crowd was into. Like the crowd came. You alive could tell who they wanted moment. to win, yeah. man, the whole time. Uh, the crowd came alive here, and they were alive for a little while until Booker hit a scissor kick, couldn't get the pinfall. And it took the air out of the arena for a while after that. The crowd sounded like a 2008 Mariners team with Carlos Silva pitching. It was bad. (laughs) It was that bad. He got that near fall on that that scissor kick. I think think it became clear to everybody in the arena, oh, I know what's going to happen now. That scissors kick was the equivalent of seeing Felix Hernandez pitch in Safeco back in that time. The only good thing. Yeah, and then right after that, um, the crowd was out of it at this point for the rest of this match. Booker went to the top rope, hit a rolling senton, and just crushed Triple H's head with this. I mean, he whiffed it bad. And Triple H has a rough time with this in this era, too, because didn't Rob Van Dam 
miss a frog splash in an elimination, an elimination chamber, chamber match, yeah. and like crush his throat. Yeah. So tri- Trips is, crushed his larynx. Yeah. So everyone's trying to get Trips out of the Reign of Terror here. I can see why. Um, yeah, and so that was just kind of worth noting. I mean, they did a replay of it, and it looked nasty. Um, Booker tries for the scissor kick again. His knee gives out. Triple H hits the pedigree. An infinite amount of time passes. Oh, no, no. I counted. How well? What did you get? You got 24 20... seconds from the time he hits the pedigree to the time he gets the three count. And, Trip. of course, he gets a three count because it's the pedigree. And just what an insulting finish. What an yeah, insulting yeah. finish for this insulting angle for Booker T. Uh, the fact that he stuck around the company for as long as he did after this uh, amazes me. This was embarrassing. Um, to have a finish go that long after you deliver it to when you 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 deliver the pinfall, it just it just made Booker T look like a jobber, and I hated this so much. <laughs> I hated it back then. I hate it now. I hate it for different reasons now than I hated it back then. Back then it was just I was I didn't like Triple H and I didn't like to see him win, and now it's more of just a man. Just the the booking was so I don't even think they'd do that today. I don't think they would have that long of a gap between a finisher and a pin today. Now there's some bad booking in WWE, but that yeah, it's just uh, it was just bad. What do you guys think? I give the match a 1 by the way. I thought it was pretty terrible. I originally had a 1 down, but I'm going to have to give it a 1.5. Um I don't think it was as bad as the Undertaker match, which is not the Undertaker's fault, but I I mean I think there was some entertaining parts in here. But you're right, it wasn't that good. It was very slow. I don't like a lot of slow. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Hulk Hogan fan, so I can deal with slow. But this was just too slow. This was... And Tri- Triple H has never been a particularly fast or exciting no. worker. I mean, he, he there's been exciting moments in his career. Obviously, he had a very long and very successful career. Um, he played a good dastardly heel. Well, I think a lot of his matches were faster than this. I think this was... Like you're going as slow as you. Yeah, and, and a lack of chemistry. This, yeah, yeah, that definitely for sure. that for sure. This Booker, might be. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, Booker, Booker and Triple H are both great workers. Yeah. Just they they clashed here. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off there. No, you're fine. Um, I was gonna say this may be one of my least favorite Triple H matches. Maybe behind Scott Steiner. And oh. He at was that SummerSlam they had that match. They had a No Way Out match too. No, yeah. yeah. I think it was the Royal Rumble and No Way Out. But I do have to say, I am a freak. So, big booty daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure you got a Scott Steiner reference in during this podcast. Oh, I, th- I think I think half my favorite wrestlers make these two cringe <laughs> when I say I love Scott Steiner and Hulk Hogan, and then I just bring out the Limp Biscuit references. Hey Hogan, Hogan! I was a Hogan mark as a kid, and I can respect everything he did for wrestling uh, today too. I mean, he's he was hugely impactful. Can you respect Scott Steiner? I respect that one TNA promo he gave where he was talking about the percentage of him winning. That you're you're gonna re- you're gonna respect that, huh? Yeah, yeah. I thought that, <laughs> that was great. If anything, you're gonna give it. You're gonna give it respect. Are you respecting yeah, the math one or the one where he talks about bombing Hiroshima? <laughs> the math one. Okay, they, they were both brutal. Are we really just awesome. gonna expose the whole wrestling business in one podcast tonight? So here's everything what? bad that's ever happened in yeah, yeah. wrestling. Uh, but what happened next wasn't bad. Hold on, hold on, real quick. Yeah. On this match, I yeah. gave it. I was gonna give it 1.5 stars, but uh, Triple H. It's hard to look at him without the lemmy stash, without the without the mutton chops. So I did just give this one star. Booker did end up, you know, getting his run as a heel with King Booker and all that. King Booker. Thank you. That was great. That was terrible, but. but but you know, this is just an example of what happens when you run through at this time period when you run through the Triple H buzzsaw. It's just yep. you, you get buried. The golden shovels came out in full effect here. <laughs> um, like I said, what happened next was not bad. Uh, we had. The, the match 20 years in the making, the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, 
versus the boss, Vince McMahon. Uh, the video package, by the way, to start this match was fan freaking tastic. Incredible. It, it was a shoot interview type video package. They were saying things that you knew were real. They were taking. Vince was taking shots at Hulk going to WCW and trying to get him in the steroid trials back in the day. It took a very personal turn. And then you see the contract signing where Vince stabs Hulk with a pin uh, and then uses his blood to sign the contract. Just brutal. That was awesome. Hard to, hard to watch, but it, in a good way. It was oh, yeah. awesome. It was a great lead-in to a great feud. I loved it. I couldn't agree more. Um, and they went and harkened back to some really old footage. Of course, they had Hulk slamming Andre. They had a really cool shot where it was talking about they were arguing over who made Hulkamania. And you see Hulk Hogan walking um, down a backstage entry kind of corridor. And then you see Vince McMahon. And it zooms in on Vince, like a young, clean-shaven Vince McMahon. And it zooms in on him. And there's just a lot of nice touches like that. And again, I mean, just that the visual of Vince stabbing Hulk in the head with that pen and then signing the contract in his own blood was it's just brutal man it, it was i love it though it was amazing i was it was such a good feud and there's two there's two lines that i really got in that in that little promo package um i mean it really was you're right Kyle it was absolutely a shoot this whole freaking match was a shoot uh but in in the promo it Vince says i hate you because i created you and you turned your back on me and then the second thing was uh Vince says People have asked, who would win in a fight? And all I have to ask is, Vince, who the hell is asking you who would win in a fight between you and Hulk Hogan? I guarantee you that has never freaking happened. It was Kevin Dunn, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was sitting in the production truck. Uh, if you were looking, okay, I'll get this right off the bat. If you're looking for a good wrestling match, you should probably skip ahead yep. Yep. in this podcast uh, because this was not that. This was a street fight through and through. Um, Hulkster comes out with a terrible uh, dub over of Voodoo Child. You can, and the thing that makes it the worst for me is that you can see him singing Voodoo Child as he came out. I want to track down the original DVD just so I can hear him come yeah, out. To that yeah, yeah, because we were again. watching this on the network and and they dubbed it. Obviously, don't have the rights over. The Jimmy network Hendrix. needs to get the rights for this song, Enter Sandman for the Sandman, especially a One Night Stand and a few other ones, because um, that 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 entrance was amazing with Voodoo Child. Yeah, it was, and I mean, still, just seeing Hulk come out, seeing the crowd erupt. Is oh just, yeah, the crowd was nuts. Still gives me sh- shivers to this day. Sea and, of red and yellow. Yeah, yeah, and um, and then Vince comes down, walking like he's, like he's, he's an old cocky walk that he Got does. Stick up, I mean, um, yeah. he's looking like Machop, the Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> he he's jacked in this. Yeah, match. He, he's he's huge. But he, that's one thing I'll give him respect, man. I don't think I ever saw him wrestle in a pay-per-view match where he wasn't I mean except for when he got super old where he wasn't just ripped I mean the ECW the WWE ECW championship run we just will we'll not mention that really but yeah the, the rest of times when he was a little bit younger he was jacked for every appearance dude for sure and uh, this match started out real sloppy uh, they were trying to wrestle <laughs> in the first little piece of this match and, and Vince is not a wrestler uh, Hogan is to a degree uh, at this point in his career. Uh, easy. No, he, he's getting old, you yeah. know. A lot um, of, he's, he's what, probably 55 in this match? He's well into his 50s. So yeah. a lot of 55-year-olds can't put up an entertaining match at all, yeah. let alone with another guy that's north of that age probably in Vince McMahon. I'm sure Vince is probably, what, 58, 60 yeah. here? Um, 
which is just wild. I know these two old timers put on a hell of a match. If you were, yeah, if you were worried that they weren't going to lay their bodies on the line for you people, you people were wrong because they beat the ever loving hell out of each other in this match. It all started when I believe Vince got the chair, um, which Hulk ended up getting, and just flattened Vince with an unprotected chair shot. Vince is, is Vince is busted open. He's bleeding. Taz has a great line here when he says, "You can damn near see a skull." I'm not going to do a Taz impression, but if one of you two would like to uh, try, uh, no, my my <laughs> only my only my only Taz like impression I can think of is the one off Bruce Pritchard's podcast that Bruce does, and don't fuck with Taz. It's good stuff. <laughs> That's pretty good. You got to listen to Bruce do it. Um, yeah, stop this podcast and go listen to Bruce Pritchard. He needs more listeners. Uh, <laughs> Bruce, send him our way. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so yeah, McMahon's busted open. You can damn near see a skull. Um, and then, I thought this was the most shocking part of the match. Spanish announcer Hugo is standing directly behind, um, behind Hulk. Vince goes for a chair shot. Hulk moves out of the way. Hugo gets destroyed. Hugo, no! He gets destroyed. No, Hulk, Hulk hit him. Hulk hit him. Okay, Hulk hit yeah. him and busted him open there's a shot I think this was hard way by the way there's a shot where it looks like he has a bullet hole in his head with blood dripping out of it it was an unprotected chair shot on a spanish announcer i don't uh, think I've, I've never seen that. i've never seen I that either. either i'm pretty sure like i said i'm pretty sure that was a hard way cut too because he blasted him with that chair oh hulk and vince were potatoing each other with those yeah, chair there were so many unprotected chair shots in this, this match this match had cte written all over it yeah. this is this is why they don't do those Hardway chair shots to the head anymore because it was it's brutal. brutal. I love it, but it's brutal. Yeah, they were they were just giving it to each other. Vince got a ladder out, which I don't need to see any either of these guys climbing a ladder, which we did get to see later. Um, so there's one point outside of the ring where Vince does climb the ladder. He hits a leg drop onto Hulk Hogan through the announce table. That got the holy shit chant going in Seattle, um, which led to a near, near fall. And then there was a part when Vince got the steel pipe out from ringside, and he had this. He rises cartoon from the villain look on his face as he comes up from the ring apron. Oh, it's creepy. It's it's, it's like meme worthy. Well, he did it. He did his best uh, Jack Nicholson shining <laughs> yeah, impression, dude. Yeah. It was it was straight up. It, it was, was awesome. picture perfect. He, he looked like a bloody Grinch, so, <laughs> except for not green, just red. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, he he uh, Vince gets back in the ring. He's about to um, hit Hulk with the pipe. Pipe Dick kicks him. Or pipe. The pipe doesn't do it. Hulk does it. Hulk Hogan does it. Brother. And speaking of pipes, who shows up in the ring just as a, dressed as a cameraman, but the rowdy one himself. Rowdy, 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 rowdy Piper, Piper, brother. Shows up. Uh, he stands there in the ring. He looks at Hulk. He looks at Vince. He spits on Hulk, who has the best sell for a spit I've ever seen in my life. He, like, convulsed. <laughs> he, like, he, like, flinched and rolled over like it physically hurt him. Which that was, was a huge loogie, I guarantee oh, it. yeah. And then... Uh, there's a ref bump somewhere in there, and then Piper turns around, and he blasts Hogan with the pipe, leaves the ring. Uh, the old folks going crazy tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, Vince uh, hits a leg drop, gets a near fall, and then here comes the Hulk up, and the crowd... This was probably the biggest pop of the night when he was doing this big Hulk up segment. At least I thought. I mean, he was on fire. I want to throw out that I think right before this Hulk up, Sylvain Grenier runs right, out as the right. evil ref and then another smackdown referee comes out and starts to fight him at ringside i have no idea what's going on but i am loving it this is why i love pro wrestling no it got so crazy dude that we actually heard one of the rare michael cole voice breaks where it just it, it was bad it just screeched for a sec there yeah it, it, it was great um 
And so the Hulk up, the crowd gets going, they're going crazy. Hulk hits a leg drop. Hulk hits a second leg drop. Hulk hits a third leg drop for the one, two, three. Hulkamania is running wild this, in Seattle. This and match, so is the blood. This match was wild. Um, again, it was not a wrestling match, but it was a, as JR would say, it was a classic slobber knocker. Yes, I gave sir. it 3.5. It was fast and it was fun, but it was loud and it was sloppy and messy. All right, I'm biased. So, I give it a four. I love Hulk Hogan. I have been a mark since I was a kid for Hulk Hogan. So, I gave it a four because, one, I'm biased. And, two, this match was entertaining through and through. Everything about this match, from Hulk to Vince the Rowdy Rowdy Piper to the Spanish announcer getting potato with the chair shot to referees fighting, this match was awesome. This I loved it. This match was it. WWE drama to a, to a T. Oh, yeah. This, this was, like, overbooking, but not in a bad way. You see a lot of overbooking with run-ins and stuff, and it's like, oh my god, again. This one was fun. This one, there was Piper. There was the refs. There was the Spanish announcer. It was a blast. There's announce tables being used, ladders being used, chairs being used. That was great. Well, and you can't tell me, like we talked about how the promo was a shoot. You cannot tell me that these two, after all the years of frustration, especially on Vince's side, that these two aren't just taking liberties with those chairs, man. These are stiff shots. For and sure. They're just getting it all out there while entertaining the fans. So, so yeah, I, I gave it a three and a half. But like uh, Jericho and Sean was the quintessential wrestling grudge match. This was like the quintessential hardcore grudge match where they just went out. At it. And also, I'm going to mention this every single freaking time we watch a Hulk Hogan match, especially as he gets older. How in the hell do you get the worst haircut of all time over? It's called the Hulk Hogan now. Yeah. Um, a quick sidebar here. Where does this rank in the best Hulk Hogan matches of all time for WrestleMania? I mean, The Rock and Andre's got to be one and two, right? Does this? I put this at three right behind it. You don't, Because then there's Savage and Warrior, too. Both those were great. Um, yeah, that's a tough, it, that's it's a, a tough it's a very tough question because because I gotta say probably Andre for historical purposes is number one. Absolutely, I I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah. and then number two it's gotta be the Rock, the icon mm-hmm. versus icon. That's that's just like the two of the Mount Rushmore superstars. That, that was on. painted as the biggest match of all time when it happened at WrestleMania. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, 18, eighteen, and it's and you can see why. I mean, and it, it might still hold up to that today. But to me, number number three is the Macho Man match. I think it was just two legends just finally colliding, and it. Yeah, I, I mean, might concede I, to that. Yeah, I might concede yeah. to that. I, sure. I would. I would put probably Vince at four then, and then Warrior at five. I agree. I. Uh, I was never a big Warrior fan, um, and that was a pretty short match. That it match has, didn't age very well, yeah, but it but aged but, well. but the historical significance of it was awesome. Right. Right. And I mean, WrestleMania one was maybe not a great match, but it was the thing that got it all started. So that's got to be up there. The Sergeant Slaughter one, the Psycho Sid one, both not very good either. I mean, they are, but they aren't. You know what I mean? They they don't they fail in comparison to those other ones. And then there's the Yokozuna match at WrestleMania nine, which well, is probably his. That he like wasn't a part. The Yokozuna match. match. I'm doing air quotes uh-huh. for people listening. Uh-huh. Yeah, which was on the same night that he lost in a tag team match mm-hmm. with Brutus the Barber Beefcake to IRS and Ted DiBiase. So I would probably put it at number four behind Macho at three, Rocket two, and Andre at one. Sure. I'm, yeah. Sounds good to me. I'll um, buy that. And then after that, uh, 20 years in the making match, we had... Uh, two I, years in the making. Two years in the making. Um, a match that would be very significant for uh, kind of many reasons. A match that... The more I'm thinking about it now as we're talking about it, 
Uh, it's kind of an emotional match, uh, I think, for any Attitude Era fan. Did they wrestle 15, 17, and 19? Did the yeah, Rock and the trilogy? Yes. So trilogy. they wrestled every two years at WrestleMania. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And this is the culmination, of course. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. This would be the last major appearance in the ring uh, for Stone Cold Steve Austin in a, in a, in a highlight match. Uh, and The Rock was kind of going to go off to do movies and do his own thing after this. So this was kind of the end of an era for two of the Attitude Era's biggest superstars. Um, and you got to preface this too that Austin was in the hospital like right before this match. He, that day, yeah. he, he like had a heart attack or something similar. Um, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but he was in the hospital, and you can tell in his eyes he wasn't feeling too. He high. was he not was feeling good. He was glazed. Um, but again, his entrance is there. Is there any bigger pop of an entrance you can remember than any time Stone Cold there, came in on a WrestleMania? No, no the glass shattering. Was probably the biggest entrance of all time. It sends shivers down my spine uh, still to this literally day. Literally every it. single. I've never not heard it and, and not gotten chills. It, it's amazing, and of course here. I mean, I think the fans at large kind of knew that if this wasn't going to be his last match, that his time, his clock yeah. was ticking, mm-hmm. and they gave him a hell of a pop as he came in. I would um, like to say though, the, the the Rock's whole Hollywood heel thing. I loved. I loved this Rock. And uh, if, if you want to go back and just watch his entrance from this era, where they do like a little pan over the New York uh, skyscrapers with a helicopter and everything, and then they've got that little, it's cooking <laughs> intro. <laughs> and and the, even, the, even the theme at the time harkens back to when he was Rocky Maivia <laughs> with that intercontinental run. So I don't know. I just really loved this rock. And this was, this was a perfect way to uh, wrap up the trilogy. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say this match started out pretty slow it did um, yeah there wasn't really a ton going on and then all of a sudden uh you know austin selling his knee for a lot of it there's a long sharpshooter spot and then the rock goes outside and puts on steve austin's vest and things kind of shifted into another gear at that point business starts to pick up business as jr would say well, and, and, and also jr here is 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 just scolding rock how just disrespectful it is for the rock to put austin's vest on as, as if as if austin, spraying your boss with a beer truck yeah, yeah, as if austin wasn't literally the most disrespectful wrestler ever flipping off everyone yeah uh, so he gets the, he gets the uh he gets the vest on comes back into the ring and this is when austin kind of gets a comeback um First, they hit this lariat, and they both kind of lariat each other, and they're down. And then Austin gets up, kind of gets the greatest hits. Uh, you know, he does the corner stomp. He does the uh, this press down, where he's just kind of doing these. Yeah, usually he has the, the quick yeah. jabs. But here, he's, like, drawing way back yeah. and just socking him. And he kind of gets his greatest hits in. He's doing the stomps. Uh, Stone Cold hits the rock with a rock bottom. The Rock hits Stone Cold with the Stone Cold Stunner. The character work at this point is through the roof. You can just feel the years of this rivalry all coming to a head right here in the ring uh, in Seattle. And it, it just, it just, man, it, it, got, it got good real quick. And then uh, Stone Cold gets a stunner, a near fall after a delayed pinfall. And then The Rock gets a people's elbow for a near fall. The Rock gets a rock bottom for a near fall. The Rock gets another rock bottom for a near fall. The Rock gets yet another rock bottom for yet another near fall. And at this point, the crowd's going crazy. The Rock finally stands up. He gets this look in his eyes. He hits Austin with one more rock bottom, and he wins with a one, two, three. Really nice moment after the match when The Rock kind of leaned over and said something uh, to Austin. I'm sure he was just thanking him for everything over the years. And Austin gets a send-off at the end of the match. Um, yeah, it was a perfect send-off. For, this is the way it should have ended 
for Austin, and I'm glad he got to do it. I give it four stars. One thing you didn't mention here is uh, about through that last stunner that Stone Cold gave Rock, which, by the way, incredible sell. The Rock, I mean, The Rock probably sold the best stunner such, of all time. Such a good stunner. But seller. this whole entire time, there was like five finishers. The Rock is still wearing the freaking vest, man. Yeah, he wore that vest for like a comedically long period of time. It, it was great. And so, so much so that by the time that he was throwing the elbow pad and dropping a people's elbow, he looked naked to me. Like, he just spent so much time with that damn vest on but i gave it four stars i mean it's it's the it's the trilogy it took three rock bottoms to end it and once he put that vest on it, it was kind of like uh how the michaels match switched gears it i mean it seemed like austin was going through the motions he was on autopilot and then rock puts on that vest and they're all renewed and just going after it so yeah it's the end of the trilogy four stars steve austin's arguably my he's right up there with Undertaker as my favorite wrestler of all time incredible I give it four stars as well just because it started off so slow if it would have been the same pace throughout the whole match a fast fast a little bit faster I probably would have almost given it five it was yeah. that good yeah. it was a great swan song for Austin it was a good great goodbye and I I think of rivalries I don't think about Austin Vance I think about Austin Rock as both Austin and Rock's marquee best, yeah as their best um, feud I do think the three rock bottoms thing, I know why they did it because it was kind of Austin's last hurrah. Uh, it did feel a bit excessive. Um, kind of, kind of felt like the F five fest, uh, with Roman versus Brock at the most recent WrestleMania. But again, I'm going to give it a pass here just because it was Austin's last shot to really show his stuff in front of a large amount of people. Um, and just the end of an era, I think it can't be overstated that this was it largely for Austin. And this was it largely in a full-time basis for the rock. And, Man, what a way to go out. Uh, yeah, I was glad I got to be there for that one. At the time, I didn't really know that it was going to be kind of the last hurrah for them. But in hindsight, I'm so glad that I got to be there for it. What you the, bastard. What did The Rock work? Like four more WrestleManias after that? I mean, he's, he, he's worked more after I mean, that. like he's he's wrestled at four more. He wrestled with uh, Mick Foley against Evolution yep. at 20. Yep. And then I remember he wrestled two against Cena back-to-back, right? Yep. And then he wrestled that one against Eric Rowan. That was six seconds oh, yeah. or whatever. That was, right. that was brutal, but yeah, it's always uh, so, good. I mean, yeah, it's he, always good to see The Rock. Oh yeah, The Rock is great, and I'm assuming we'll see him at SummerSlam. But we'll see if that's right or not. I, I, Don't you jinx that. I really hope we see some Rock and Elias concerts going on. That'd I would love that. Bring Jeff Jarrett. Bring the Honky Tonk Man. Let's do this. Our Truth can rap in it too. That's all good. Every musical guest, every musical get get uh, no way out there to dance. <laughs> yeah, get Fred Durst in there. Surprised it took that long for another Fred Durst reference. I'll, I will try to name drop Fred Durst on every podcast if I can. All right, I'm holding you to that. Um, oh, yeah. So good match. And the next up, our main event. This was back when the WWE Championship meant something, but this might be the one occasion when maybe this should have went on before the match that preceded it uh this is uh the wwe championship match between kurt angle and brock lesnar i got a question yeah do you remember when one brock lesnar actually wrestled and (laughs) two he didn't have a shitty tattoo i mean he always kind of had shitty tattoos i'm talking about i'm talking about the the, the chest phallus like the penis on the chest sword thing i'm I'm, it's a phallus be careful about how much you badmouth brock he's probably listening oh man and he's coming for you. Our number one fan, friend of the podcast, Brock Lesnar. Sorry, Brock. <laughs> um, I got Alistair Overeem over here with me, so Brock won't do anything to me. Yeah, I think seeing Brock wrestle, like really wrestle, feels weird. These it's guys are sad. so good. They're so good. They're so amazing. They're both just, oh they both give their all in this match. If you don't know, I mean, how don't you? If you're listening to this, you probably know, but Kurt Angle was legitimately working this match with a real-life broken neck. Broken freaking neck. A broken freaking neck. Yeah, he was trying to Thank beat you. me to that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and just the 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 performance that he had was just spectacular given what he would must have been going through um and then again just seeing brock wrestle this match began with a technical chain wrestling sequence that lasted a good five minutes can you imagine brock doing any sort of technical wrestling today you mean anything other than a punch suplex or f5 or elbow he did (laughs) i mean we'll get into it later but there are some spots in this match that i couldn't help thinking of nope he couldn't do that today nope he couldn't do that today and i understand that as you get older your 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 talents are naturally going to diminish i mean dude this was 15 years ago that's a good point uh but it almost feels like he's a different person now. Uh, but let's get into the match. Talent um, may diminish unless you're Chris Jericho. And one, and one yeah, more thing. Seriously. One more thing. This was around. This was when Michael Cole and Taz were at the broadcast booth, and I miss every time Brock Lesnar would come out. Here comes the pain, Cole. Every time, man. I loved. I miss Taz in the broadcast I miss booth. Taz actually, too. I wish he'd come back. What did Cole say every time an F five was dropped? F five connects. Oh yes, the F five connects yeah, every it, single time. Either three brutal. or four times. You get man. three of them in this match, and he said it every time. Uh, so again, like I said earlier, this match started with a nice technical wrestling chain, and then a big shoulder check by Brock on Angle that just knocked him like halfway across the ring. Um, kind of quick, quick action here uh, for for a Brock and broken neck Kurt Angle match. Um, Brock had a nice scoop slam uh, when Angle ran out of the corner. They fought into the floor. Uh, Brock selling his ribs a lot during this match. Um, you can tell ankle was hurting. His eyes were a bit glazed. He was he was trying his darndest. Uh, they fought outside for a long time. Might um, have been a little hopped up. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Man, um, I mean, if you're wrestling with a broken neck, let's be honest. I, I gotta say though, like if Kurt Angle was 100% healthy for this match... This would have been a five-star match. This would have been a 10-star match. The, gro- the greatest match of all time. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Kurt, it's quite possible. Kurt Angle with a broken neck Still in this match is match. putting on a clinic Dude, he had out some there. scary back. He almost knocked his head like three well, or four I think times. The, bump that scared, the back bumps were crazy. I think the bump that scared me the most was when Brock hit the belly-to-belly suplex and he almost landed on his head. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out a fun spot. Uh, Brock did a uh, gorilla press the Kurt Angle... And Taz starts screaming the vanilla gorilla, and that <laughs> that cracked me. I told up. you, man, missed the hell out good. of Taz. Um, yeah, this was a hard hitting match, surprisingly hard hitting, given where Angle was. Um, a lot of nice chain suplexes. Nobody does them better than Angle. Brock can try today, but Angle's the the master of those chain suplexes. Um, at one point, hit a, a German suplex, which Brock actually did a full rotation on. Oh, they had that was on his chest. Which was yeah. awesome. Oh my god! And then his unphallic chest. Yes, and then <laughs> his unphallic chest, his clean chest at this point. And then Lesnar hits his first. He connects with his first F five. Uh, can't get the pin. Another delayed pin. A lot Wait, of those in the first F five. I I need I need it. The F five connects. And he doesn't get the pinfall. Another delayed pin, which again there was probably too many of them in the show. And he gets mad, hits another F5. The F5 connects! And he climbs, but this time instead of going for the pinfall, he climbs to the top rope, and everyone knows what happens next. Oh, God. The famous botched shooting star press when Brock lands directly on his head. Billy Kidman-esque. He's giving Billy Kidman a run for his money on the shooting star press here, except for Billy Kidman doesn't break his neck. Yeah, this was a scary spot. Brock ended up badly concussed. Uh, we, we're essentially watching two guys with pretty much broken necks. <laughs> this match. Yeah. To be fair, the match was essentially over at this point, so he misses with the shooting star press. And something I, I told you guys when we were watching this was I... I knew Brock was hurt when this match ended, but I didn't know that the shooting star press was the spot that did it. You couldn't really tell, at least from where I was oh, sitting. Oh, when you were there live, yeah. That it was, you could tell he botched it, but you couldn't tell that 
he was injured. I just remember knowing he was injured because the way he was walking after the match, but not knowing what happened until later. Um, and again, that's a famous spot. It's a scary spot. Um, but imagine, dude, imagine if he, so I think, was, was that the first time he land, or he uh, tried it on the main roster? Yes. Because he did it all the time in, in OVW. OVW. Can you, if he hits that, that He's adds a whole stuff. new dimension. No, it's not. <laughs> no, not, no, I wouldn't say today. But that adds a whole new dimension to to his repertoire. And, and you got to think that he would be up on the top rope a little bit more. Do you think sure. he ever wanted to try that in the UFC? Like he wanted, got on top of the cage. He wanted to drop Randy Couture with a uh, shooting star press. Oh, and then an F5. Yeah, F5. The F5 connects! Um, well, you're going to be so, saying that again one more yeah, time. So that was essentially the end of the match, right? And I don't know if that was scheduled to be the end of the match or if it was an on-the-fly, like, Kurt Angle's telling to Brock, you got to pin me, brother. But after that, uh, Brock gets him up somehow for another F5. The F5 connects! And that would be the final F5. Uh, the one, two, three. This match had so much of a story coming out of it because of everything that happened with Brock and everything that Angle was going through. And for what it was, knowing the way Kurt was working injured... Um, seeing Brock wrestle like this again just felt good and seeing Angle do anything always feels good I would give it four stars what a what a cool way to end uh, Wrestlemania just both these guys were just literally putting their lives on the line for us and it shows and man a cool 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 way to end the show I'm going to give it four stars as well but again if they were both healthy um, if Angle was 100% for this match it'd be a 10 star match it, I guarantee it these two at their peaks without injury or a shitty attempt at football or MMA these guys might have been the two best wrestlers ever and could have had the next great rivalry it's disappointing that injuries played such a part in Kurt's career and a choice to go try to play football and be the I mean the UFC one worked out for Brock pretty well but I think they could have had some magic I just think Brock's story arc as a professional wrestler when it's all said and done, and when he finally rides off into the sunset and retires from professional wrestling, which I anticipate, knock on wood, to be soon, um, I think the book on Brock Lesnar is going to feel like there's a lot of pages that went unwritten. Um, and obviously he had a run in New Japan pro wrestling, which was not the same New Japan that it is today. Um, but I think he left a lot on the table, and I think it's pretty evident in this match that he could have been one of the all-time greats had he focused his entire uh, devotion to the craft of professional wrestling and t- to his credit he had other things he wanted to yeah, do and he, he did to them follow his dreams, and man. that's fine um, but I think from a strictly professional wrestling standpoint he really could have been somebody really special and that was on display here uh, in full effect NCAA champion and like uh, th- th- like this Brock Lesnar is NCAA champion slash uh, the gelled spiked tips <laughs> Like that—that that is the Brock Lesnar I remember, and that is his prime. And it, God, man, they were just on full display here. I originally was going to give this four stars. I'm giving it four and a half. Just it—it it was incredible. And the only thing that is separating it from five stars is that injury and that freaking botch, man. Yep. Yeah, and that botch was. To be honest, though, that botch kind of adds mystique to this match. Yeah, to me. yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Strange. It adds a layer of drama. Well, to it, me. it makes it even more famous. Yeah, for sure. Um, so wrapping up the card here. Yeah. We've, we've talked about every single match. What's your letter grade? What do you give it? <sighs> and I've been thinking about this. Um, this is a solid show, uh, top to bottom. Um, if I had to rank it, 
with my all-time WrestleManias, you know, I obviously I don't have that list ready to go, but it would be up there. Well, seven, for sure. 17 through 21 were all they really were good, good shows. Crazy. I think 20 might shows. be just personally my favorite WrestleMania of all time, and maybe we'll eventually have to review that one. But um, I think for WrestleMania 19, um, with everything kind of encapsulated, there's a lot of good, a lot of good, a little bit of bad, but the bad was really bad. And I think that's going to make me give this a mm. B plus. Uh, which is, it was a great show, uh, so B plus for me. Meltzer, Meltzer over here is a tough critic. I'm gonna give it an A minus because mm-hmm. yes, the bad stuff was bad, but the good stuff was good. <laughs> We're not that far apart. The, I, it deserves an A. <laughs> Just running through the mud. <laughs> you, you know what? Ultimate you, snob. I'm gonna give him one one step higher. You, you know what? You know what this show gets an A minus for? What? All the limp biscuit. Hands up and hands down. <laughs> uh, Luke, what do you give the show? I'm, I'm dude. I'm giving this an A minus. Um, you know, the only reason it's not an A show is what the, why why bring the Miller Catfight Girls? What like that that makes zero sense. The Boobies. No, bosom shots, sir. Boobies, bosom shots. Um, man, heaven forbid we ever review WrestleMania 24 and that woman's battle royal someday. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about is that Ill? the more Santino one? <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus. But 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 you know you you talk about we were saying like 17 through 21 incredible WrestleManias. Uh, to me, 17 is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. I still need to go through the past decade or so really and uh, r- really take a look at some more recent WrestleManias to see where they stack up. But I'd say this is probably the th- to me, this is like the, th- the third best. I want to make it the second, but I know there's a better one out there, and it might be 20. So, you know, this show's coming to an end, and we're planning on doing this for a while now. And we're going to try to rotate good show, bad show, good show, bad show, kind of like this. So we're going to leave Zach up with the choice of the next show. Are we going to watch WWE CW De- December to Dismember? Or are we going to watch WCW New Blood Rising? You know, after watching such a solid show, I need to fill my my, my veins with rage. <laughs> Russo rage. And I don't think anything fills my veins with rage quite as much as late period WCW. So I'm saying, if you guys are on board, let's do New Blood Rising. But let's you know what? Well, yeah, let's do it. But if... Uh you know, if you made it this far in the podcast, I know this is our first one. Appreciate yep, yep. you for sticking with us. Now, give us your thoughts. I mean, either those two options or maybe give us some sort of recommendation. We yeah. might put it on a future episode. You're always free to like, please leave recommendations um, because we can use them and we will get to them at some point. We'll put them in line. Tell us uh, how funny, unfunny we are. Yes. If you want to see us suffer, give us a bad show. If you want us to stop making fun of wrestling give us a good show we're gonna keep doing this no matter what you say so that's true that's a good point it's oh, hell yeah this is a lot of fun yeah so thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back soon uh with new blood rising it's my way my way or the highway and what are we we are f5 connects <laughs> and big boys and body slams come on man oh big boys and body slams that's right thanks for listening everybody Bye.